Hello everybody and welcome to another show on the weird world of knowing and we've got a fantastic guest today because she has worked with some really fabulous people. Now back in the day, I'm saying back in the day, I don't know how far back in the day it is Rosalind, you worked in PR and with agencies in in London and you retired from that aspect as a, a self-made millionaire after working with people like Tony Robbins and I'm not quite sure who else I'm sure you'll let us know on that one but then after you'd retired you you took yourself into coaching and became you helped other people then didn't you basically help get their lives back on track what first of all Rosalind what uh, sorry this is Rosalind Palmer everybody I've not even introduced your name have I I do apologize Rosalind <laughs> let me say it properly Rosalind Palmer so welcome Rosalind to the weird world of knowing and how on earth did you make that transition from PR? Was it by working with people like Tony Robbins that you then got into coaching and uh, transformational therapies? What actually happened on that aspect? I, I think the seeds for that were laid well before I worked with Tony Robbins. So I, I graduated in English literature, you know, my mum, or to, to use my mum's lovely phraseology, I fannied around reading books for three years <laughs> in London and it was like, why don't you go and get a job? Um, thanks. Um, it was the kind of early mid eighties when in London, you know, it was quite a bit of a recession going on. So. I fell into this weird world of PR. I ended up in theater PR. My attraction was really theater because mm. you know, I, I was literary, wasn't I? You know, so anything to do with theater, how marvelous. And somebody said, oh, my, my boss has just fired his PR and he needs a new one. And I went, I'll do it. And then I was like, oh, what is PR? Because it, it really wasn't on people's radar back in that day. It, it, it was in its very early stages. So. I fell into it really. I mean, I went for the interview, not knowing what I was doing. And he, it was like, can you talk to people? Yeah. Can you, can you write? Yeah. Um, you know, do you think you'd like to mix with theater people? Yeah. You know, here's, here's the terrible wage and you've got the job. Clearly I fell into a very embryonic industry and then I went to publishing briefly and I got made redundant because it was back in those days when there was a lot of redundancies. And I did this kind of, oh goodness, my glittering career doesn't seem to be going quite where I wanted to go in my kind of late twenties. And at the time, Lynn Franks, which is what that TV series and film absolutely fabulous is based on, was the agency to work for. It was like, you know, she had the who's who, if you were famous, if you were a fashion designer, if you were happening, if you were the people. Um, and it wasn't really that I was attracted to that celebrity world so much, to be honest, mm. you know, I was a grocer's daughter from Nottingham, you know, <laughs> I was pretty grounded. Um, but I just knew that somebody actually said to me, if you work there for a few years, you can work anywhere. And, you know, it was like, let, let's do it. And so I did, and it was a move worth taking. So at that time, my health was starting to suffer because of some very early very severe childhood illnesses mm. and not really sorting it out apart from through pharma and through, you know, what, what your parents knew and what the doctor knew. I was really struggling because suddenly I'm in this world where we're working 80 hour weeks. It really was life in the fast lane. And when you're not a hundred percent, 
Um, and I ended up having an emergency tonsillectomy and that wasn't great, you know, and kind of back to work five days later. And luckily Lynn Franks was Buddhist and most of the people who was there were Buddhist. I was one of the very few who wasn't. And they introduced me to this world of complementary medicine and chanting and manifestation. And, you know, my mum thought I'd joined a cult, you know, I think she, <laughs> she was, well, yeah, back in the eighties, I, I suppose. Yeah, she was very worried. Yeah. So I think that groundwork, I, I know that groundwork, then fast forward to the kind of early nineties when I've got my own PR agency and I end up on a strange weekend course with a giant man called Tony Robbins and think I need to do your PR like this stuff just blew my mind. You know what I was learning, all this mindset stuff, this NLP, everything and health, you know, every aspect of your life. I was like, I, I've, I've got to work with this man. And, and I did, you know, literally my intention to work with him came true and my manifestation of it. And I ended up working with a whole bunch of, um, the real movers and shakers in that world at the time, Edward de Bono, who was his big stinking hats. Um, Brandon Bays, who does the journey who you might be aware of, um, Robert Holden, who runs the happiness clinic in, in, um, Bristol. So I was just in that world. I mean, we were, we had other big clients like air miles from BA and financial clients, but this was probably my passion. And also it was a little bit my dark side or my secret side, because even in the nineties, people still thought it was a bit weird. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've put myself on mute there because the dog <laughs> is joining in with me. <laughs> so what a world to be in though. What a world to be absolutely driving you forward to work with somebody like Tony Robbins. So what, what stage was that at his career and how did you help him move this forward? I only worked with him for, you know, I genuinely can't remember, let's say six months or a year. Mm. Um, when he, when he was launching in England and this would be about 1994, let's say around about that time, um, people thought he was very strange, <laughs> um, and he did not get any good press. I mean, and it, his press impact was very bad. Um, you know, there was all those misconceptions of this is brainwashing. This is a cult. They make you do a firewalk and, you know, they're going to make you kind of give all your money away and wear white clothes and drink orange juice very soon. You know, it, it literally, the, the PR he was getting was very, very bad or very, you know, nobody thought to understand what, certainly not in England. I, I think in America, they were a few years ahead. You know, I think it was accepted. This whole world of personal development was taking off. It was incredibly embryonic in the UK. And of course there was like, it's different. We're suspicious of it. It's weird. Let's just say bad things. Also his company, he'd expanded and changed quite rapidly. And I think he'd had a few as growing companies do fallouts with a few people. Um, and you know, he just put it this way. He was only getting pretty bad press. Yeah. But my pitch to him was, I'll get you good press. You know, I'll get people to understand what it is you do. And of course I need to understand by doing all your courses. Mm. Uh, and that's what I did. And so it, it wasn't a long journey together because I think once that switch happened once that started to change 
um, you know, we went on to other people, um, like Brandon Bayes. Again, when I worked with Brandon Bayes, because she came out of Tony's organization, her former husband, Bob Bayes was a kind of genius behind most of it, to be honest. And she was, people were going to her in church halls, kind of going, who is this woman? And after we'd, you know, got a journalist from the Sunday times to go on her course and got them to understand what it was she was doing, which was very much, very early epigenetics, kind of mind, body healing, really. Um, it turned it, you know, and she, she then became who she is today. I went and saw Marissa Peer because I met her on a Tony Robbins course in Hawaii and I went to her to hypnotherapy. I'm now an RTT rapid transversal therapist, which Marissa Peer created. So yeah, it, it, it wasn't a long journey with him, but I, I'd actually, you know, I'm quite proud that I think I, I was pivotal at that time in really changing. And, and my mom, here's the deal. God rest her soul. She went from you've joined a cult and this is weird to coming to a Tony's weekend course, doing a firewalk and wearing her fireworks. Oh, fantastic. Aged 70 or whatever she was at the time. <laughs> Wonderful. So does that, does any of that come under your sort of weird moments of knowing because I, I think yeah left off wanting to work with Tony but that is a desire isn't it because you know you oh, can make a change were, were there any weird moments of knowing throughout that process oh totally I mean I I think as you know because we had a chat when we first met I I definitely always have been in that world where I've had something else going on. I've had another level of cognizance. I've had another level of connection right from being literally a baby. And throughout my childhood, I was just told I was a fanciful child and don't talk about it. And you made that up kind of thing. And so it became this thing that I sort of had a very uneasy relationship with. Um, right through my teens, right through my twenties, you know, I'm having very strange experiences and feeling I can't say them to anybody. And if I did share them, people are kind of going, you know, we've got a nice ball in a straight jacket for you, you know, th there you go. So I learned it became my kind of hidden, hidden side, you know, very much. And when I became immersed with the world of Tony, I think particularly went to Hawaii, interestingly, which is where I met Marissa. Mm. Um, Hawaii, we went to Maui and it was a very spiritual island and a lot of the people, I think, because uh, they came all over the world, but mostly Americans to Tony's course. And it was at the time that the Celestine prophecy had just been published and the way of the peaceful warrior. And so everybody's like reading these books and we're like, oh, we must read this book. Mm -hmm. And it was at the bookshop and we read it. And we went around the island and I just, I think I let it in at that point. I was like, and I had some really incredible experiences on that trip. And my husband, my then husband did as well. And he'd started out being, you know, he was a accountant by training. Yeah. You know, he was like, what is this? And he then suddenly, and the both of us became very open to all of that side of our lives and to the world. So yes. It was definitely, it wasn't that Tony's course per se was about that stuff, but I think it just attracted a lot of people where there were conversations and an energy and it was okay to be talking about these things and letting them in. It's normalized it, which I think is totally. what, what's what, yeah. what we're hoping to do with this podcast. Yeah, 100%. People feel a little bit more normal about all these weird occurrences that happen in their life. So let's backtrack. 
and go back to a point in your life where you are comfortable to talk to us about one of your weird moments of knowing? Where do you uh, well, I think during the 90s, interestingly, because I think I've had a, you know, a bit of a push me, pull me experience with it all. So, you know, started to become open to it. I'd had that grounding in the 80s with, you know, Lynn Franks and people. I tried to get pregnant and I, I didn't manage it, which is still an interesting thing to me. But during that journey, I, I ended up seeing a guy called Jack Temple, who, if you Google him, he's like really out there, you know, and he had a henge, you know, he had a henge in his back garden and I went to see him and like, he, he was doing kinesiology and I'm like sat in a henge thinking I'm sat in a henge. Nottingham, this is not, um, <laughs> well, certainly my background, this is not. Um, so I think during that journey to, to try and get pregnant and ironically, the one thing I didn't do was hypnotherapy, duh. Um, and I don't think it was maybe meant to be, but I think during that journey, mm. I opened myself to absolutely everything. So I'm going on flotation tanks. I'm going on channeling weekends. I'm sitting in hinges with slightly strange people with strapping tablets to me to pull all the bad energy out of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm doing the whole nine yards really. And yet I'm suited and booted and I'm on the front of PR week and I'm a terribly sensible PR person and you can come to me and give me your half a million pound account. So I am not saying any of it, not publicly. Yeah. And so there was a big push me, pull me thing going on for me in the nineties. But I think the biggest experience I had that really just was like, right. Cause I think even up to then you can kind of go, oh, you know, yeah, maybe I did do that or experience that. Maybe I did see my dead grandma in my bedroom, or maybe I was just very tired. It was a dream. And I think I'd had a lot of that kind of narrative going on, but, um, a couple of things happened. We went on a path regression, my ex-husband and I with Denise Lynn. I think it was Denise Lynn. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. And. When I came back to the house, all hell broke loose. Like all my credit cards became deactivated. Every time I walked in a room, all the lights went on and off. And we had an old house, Victorian. Right. And, and I remember sitting at the table one day and somebody went like that on my head and I turned around and went, oh, hi, honey. And there was nobody there. And I was like, I was like, this is interesting. And so it, it kind of upped it. And then we adopted a child and a lot of not great things happened um because we adopted an older child who came with well, you know stuff mm. I, I don't really want to go into it for the sake of my yeah, yeah i don't talk about it in great detail but let's just put it this way that i suddenly was dealing with things that really were very scary and unpleasant and so all of this is going on yeah I'm, I'm very open to it, but I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. And then I had this experience with these two members of staff and I'll cut a very long story short where I was kind of bringing them on to take over the company for me. I knew I was very tired and I needed a, a really right hand person and a couple of really good people. I was paying them more than paying myself. That, that stage in your business where you're like, oh, great. They're taking way more than me. Um, but because we got business mentors and I knew that we had to invest in the business and bring some really good people on, I put so much money, time and energy into these people. And 
hear the red arrows going yeah. over me. I live in Lincolnshire, very near where their base is. So, oh, no, how exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's just down the road. But the, somewhere there's a red arrow fighter jet just all overhead. Oh, I can see it from here. And first of all, one of them under their notice in and gave me these reasons why. And I was like, oh, okay, that really disappointing, you know, really, oh, ugh, God, now I've got to kind of almost start again. And then about a month or two later, the other one did. And I just, it just, something wasn't adding up for me. And my ex at the time was like, well, you're just really disappointed. You're tired. It's really annoying. We've got to recruit new people, of course, you know, and anybody who's got a business out there will be. Yeah relating to all of this, but there was just something else going on for me. And we'd been winning so many pictures. We, we had a reputation in the PR industry at the time as the one to beat. Nobody could beat us. We were winning nine out of 10 pictures. Everything we went for, we were getting because we got it right. We, you know, we were the, you know, the, the golden head children, whatever, you know, we were the, 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 the agency of the, the flavor of the week. And suddenly we weren't. And, and I realized that they'd been going for quite a lot of that business that we weren't getting. And I'm like, I think they're setting up in competition with us. And my ex was like, no, absolutely not. We're keeping an eye on them, you know, not happening, la la la. Had no actual proof other than this nagging feeling that would not go away. And then he handed his notice in and I was like, mm, you know, what is going on? Yeah. And I really was troubled by this. I was in my bathroom brushing my teeth, <laughs> as you are. And suddenly my bathroom mirror gave way and there was no bathroom mirror. And I was in a pub and I was literally sat next to them in the pub or kind of watching them like, you know, like, like it had been an open window and I was right by it. And I just stood there and listened to their conversation in this pub. And sure enough, they were taking business from us. They'd stolen documents, the whole nine yards. And I walked downstairs to my husband and I went, oh, I was just brushing my teeth and the bathroom mirror gave way. And, uh, my worst fears have been realized, you know, this is true. What are we going to do? Of course he was a bit like, I think you need to go lie down. <laughs> I think, I think you're working a bit hard. Um, I was like, no, I wouldn't have it. I, you know, I knew what I, it, it was such a, a, a real experience. I knew it just wasn't, you know, me yeah. mind wandering. Yeah. Um, so he was still in the business and he had one of those old fashioned briefcases, you know, the old kind of square attache cases with the little combo locks on. And I just knew that he was stealing documents. He, you know, they probably had a business plan, blah, 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 blah. We contacted a lawyer. They said, oh, it, we've got really nothing. You know, if you could find some paperwork and he went out one day and I, I went to his desk and I just went underneath and just found his briefcase. It was locked. Now, I don't know. I'm sure if you Google what are the probabilities of getting those three numbers and those three numbers, if you don't know what those numbers are, you know, it's like the Rubik's cube, isn't it? There's a lot of Yes. I, I got, I, it was locked and I got the number. I just went do, 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 ping open. Wow. And there was, yeah, a whole just bunch of really, you know, all my worst fears were realized. And so we ended up in court. Um, it wasn't pleasant, you know, it was a horrible experience. I felt very betrayed. Um, they, I think could never quite understand why we, we had these documents and everything. In fact, if for any chance they're watching this podcast now, they'll suddenly find out, but there we go. Um, and yeah, you know, and, uh, 
unfortunately you can't get money back for business you never had, you know, you know, and I know that we would have won all those bits of business, but because you don't, but we got damages, you know, the whole nine yards and yeah. And people just kept saying, how, how did you know where to the document? And I never, I clearly never said, I never said, because it just isn't that kind of conversation in business you have, which is my bathroom mirror gave way. Then I understood the code and and what was I was being told was just me overthinking or being tired was actually one was it was something telling me what was really going on. Gosh, that is so such a powerful story. And for anyone who wants to put this into any sort of context, look up the podcast that we we talk about random viewing. Is that what that is? I'll put the, I'll put the link okay. in. Well, that's the scientific sort of version of it. Obviously, it's. It, you know, it, mediums do this and people are be able to see into what's happening in the present future, wherever that may be. But scientifically, there has been research done at the Pears Institute at Princeton University for the past 28, 30 years. And they've actually, sorry about the dogs joining in. My turkeys are joining in now. It's like Animal Farm. Did you hear that? Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll just have to have the dogs joining in for the moment, I'm afraid. So yeah, and they have done research actually looking into all of this with the rig machine and all sorts of uh, remote viewing aspects. Sorry, it's remote viewing. That's what I meant. So have a look at those. Uh, there's going to be one, the one with Brenda Dunn, Jeff Dunn and Basilius, uh, Basilius Basios. So you can look up those, but I'll put those into the podcast below so that there is some. Yeah. Scientific so to go with. There you go. Okay. So that's, that's going to help you as well. Well, exactly. Because, you know, I'm, I'm the archetypal, as you know, person who's had these, I don't know, do you call them gifts? I don't know, whatever. And I've just kind of not known what they were, what to do with them. I've had probably half my life with people go telling me not to be silly. I've, I've been in environments, certainly business environments and the kind of image I had in business, in PR, you know, even as a therapist really, where they've not really been conversations that I felt would be very career enhancing. And it's only really now that I'm so at one with myself. I, I have so many anecdotal confirmations all the time. You know, even when I'm doing hypnotherapy, people will say to me things like, how did you know to go there? And I'm like, and I always call it my intuition, you know, oh, it was, I was just very tuned into you. I was being very present. I was holding space for you. I was listening. I was using my intuition, but so that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's it is. that coherence, it's mm. that connection to others. And, and we do have to connect to right. those, um, those images, thoughts. And you were obviously very connected to your two colleagues because there was such a depth there of, of, of meaning to you. It was obviously, a, you know, this is your business. It's a heartfelt connection there. It was something was being taken from you. So it was. When you're feeling that we connect with something really quite easily. Yes. I would say you're highly sensitive to that, which is obviously why, um, you're getting these wonderful visions. So I'm intrigued now. I want to know a little bit more. Can you give us another example? Another example. Um, well, I have many really, I mean, I, I think, uh, 
when I was in Hawaii and we were reading the Celestine Prophecy, um, that was an interesting one. So we went to the far side of the island in Maui and the far side of the island is kind of subtropical rainforest. Um, and there's this area and I think it's called something like the five waterfalls. And so you kind of track up this little mini mountain, um, in subtropical rainforests, very hot and, you know, very sticky. And if you can imagine, you know, there's all those tubers and vines and it, it's not easy walking or easy terrain. And we were, we were going up there to kind of take a swim in one of these pools, these waterfalls. And we met a guy and he was absolutely beside himself, just beside himself, absolutely in a frenzy. And he dropped the car keys to his hire car that was parked at the one car mile bottom of this thing. Now this place now, there might be stuff there, but back in the day, there was literally, I think, you know, kind of the worst gift shop in the world. Uh, and that was it. And a car park, you know, there were, and, and the nearest town, the nearest place was a good kind of hours drive away. It really was inaccessible and, and he didn't have any spare keys. And it was like, well, look, we, we can give you a lift back, but we're going to go and do this first. And you know, you're welcome to wait for us or we'll rescue you and you can go and get more keys. And my ex, uh, at the time said, why don't we just put into practice what we've been doing with the Celestine prophecy and everything. And he said, can you describe the car keys? This guy, I could see this guy was thinking these people are not being helpful. You know, I'm, I'm having a panic attack. And they're asking me to describe the car keys. And so we, we managed to ground him completely, calm him down, do some breathing, everything we'd been learning and doing. I didn't visualize the keys, whatever. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I was getting a feel for it, but also my ex and he literally walked. And I want you to understand this is like vines and tubers. This was not a path. This was not like you've dropped it on a path. And if you went up and down the path enough, you'd find it. It, it was like a needle in a haystack and he just walked off and he came back with, and he was holding them. And the guy was, he nearly fainted. I genuinely, he went from a panic attack to, but we were both. You should really read the Celestial. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so glad you brought that book up as well, because what a gift of a day to actually experience that together. And it really is a gift of a day to be able to, to work together. Cause that connection that you build together to be able to create those pictures in your mind and then go and find it wonderful. Um, but the Celestine prophecies has actually been, was paramount, I suppose, to me starting my journey because. I think I was only, um, I was probably about 25 maybe when that came out and yeah. I was down in London and I was, we were given that book by a guy that we work with and that guy that we work with, um, we used, I used to work at LWT and we worked in the program planning department. He worked in presentation. He was the presentation manager and he was, I didn't know he, you know, he did Reiki and healing and all sorts of things. And he ended up giving me some healing on my knee and we lent us this book and it was, it was a, such a profound read. It was such a beautiful stories to go with it as well. That help you understand how this all works, doesn't it? You know? Oh yeah. And I don't think I'd be talking to you today were it not for all of that, because I think the most powerful time and I, you know, I don't want to make your podcast go for too long, but was when I've had cancer. So, um, 
fast forward into the kind of early 2000s, I've sold my business, you know, retired millionaire look at me, yeah, you know, trophy on the wall, the whole caboodle. And I went to live in the Bahamas and then everything just imploded. <laughs> everything went wrong. And after a couple of years, I discovered I had breast cancer. Now, the interesting thing about that journey is I had a well woman check and a mammogram. I was given the all clear. I then just knew there was something wrong because I was listening to my body. I knew there was something wrong. I wasn't showing any symptoms really or anything, but I just knew there was something wrong. And about five weeks after being given the all clear on a mammogram and a well woman check, I'm in the shower and I literally, my hand just goes like that. And I'm like, mm, I don't like the feeling of that. Mm. Doctors the next day. Um, I was on the operating table three weeks later and that was in America. So you have to appreciate I'm living in the Bahamas. That was in America. That would be like living in England, having your treatment in, um, well, maybe not a good example at the moment, but Russia, cause it's probably about as far away as yeah. the journey would be. And at first everything, including the biopsy and then the MRI, because I had private insurance. So I was getting really top, 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 yeah. top, top treatment stuff that wasn't even available. I think at the time in the UK, it was, we've got to throw the book at this. You've got a really bad kind of breast cancer. You know, we need to do double mammogram, um, sorry, um, mastectomy, double mastectomy, radiation, chemo, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw the whole nine yards at this. And suddenly I'm very caught up in all of this and there's just this voice going, no. No, 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 no. The first thing that happened was just before I went to America to have the treatment, a woman came and she was a prophetess and she actually said, uh, you shouldn't have this cancer. I'll just do a bit of psychic surgery on you. I was like, okay, all right, good. And I lay down on my sofa and like, she, she kind of put her hand and something very strange happened and she went, you'll be fine. Don't, don't do the, don't do the big bad treatment. They'll just cut it out and you'll be fine. And you'll never have this again. Trust yourself. So if I go to America with this kind of ringing in my ears and thinking, and they, they, they've got all these advanced stuff and I'm lighting up like a Christmas tree on all of their machines and they go, Oh, it's really bad. You know, and I'm, and of course, when you're hearing that and the big C word, it's, it's very hard to stay grounded at that time, but. I just didn't feel right. And I went to a spiritualist church or a kind of a modern church. I said, I just, I just need to go on the Sunday. I think I was due to be operated double mastectomy. I'd even seen the plastic surgeon. I was going to have like, oh, the only good thing was I was going to go up about three sizes. You know, I thought, well, you know, if we, if we're doing this, I might as well come out <laughs> looking a bit better. Um, and. I went to this church and I used to go to a community church at the time back in Nassau, very kind of happy, clappy out there kind of church. And I fainted and I came round and they had a glass of water. And I just said, I literally said to these poor people who didn't know me from Adam, I went, oh, it's all going to be okay. I'm not going through with all of that surgery. And they're like, oh, okay. And I later found out that the people in my church back in the Bahamas were praying for me at that time. Now I've, I've been in and out of all sorts of religions. So I'm not saying this is, you know, something that the Christians have got, you know, a kind of monopoly on, but that was what happened. And I went back to that hospital and I asked a single parent and I just said, 
I, I, I don't think that all the other things that you've seen are cancer. I think we've got one. I want to have the least invasive treatment. I want to have whatever the least invasive thing is, which was a lump no chemo. And that's what happened. And it hadn't spread. One day I had to have seven biopsies because they were like, we have to check all of these other lumps. And they actually all came and gave me a round of applause. And he took me aside afterwards and he said, I don't think I've ever met anybody with such certainty as you about the fact that it wasn't what we thought was the worst prognosis. And you listened to yourself and listened to your body. And I, I'm, I'm blown away by it. I've, I've barely seen it. And I thought, well, yeah, and it's true, isn't it? Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing my eyes right now for those of yeah. you who are listening, you know, because I might be feeling it too, but you know, when someone is so in tune with themselves and you start to really listen and tune in, it really does give you sensations in your own body that, that make you resonate. And it's like this tingling of, yeah, start listening to you because you are so yeah. important. You are so worth it. And you do have that knowledge inside you. Totally. And I, I get my clients to do it all the time. You know, the, my coaching and therapy clients, I'm like. Look, I'm really good therapist. I'm a really good coach, but at the end of the day, listen, learn, you know, it, learn to listen to that voice within um, yeah. the matrix. I love the matrix for many reasons, <laughs> yes. you know, when he's with the Oracle in, I think it's the second movie and he's in her flat, she has that sign above her door and it's Temet Nest Nostre. And that means look within, it means look within. It's literally Latin for look within because you know, all I need is already within me. And, you know, I, I, I say, I, you know, I, that's the journey for my clients in, the, in a way I make myself redundant. I'm like, look, you, you've got it. I'm just going to open it up for you and guide you and, you know, help be a catalyst to get you there. But you, you've really got it. You really have. But I think that's the beauty of the journey that we're on as well, isn't it? Because I think with the work that we do, it's not a matter of having clients forever and a day, really the shortest amount of time that we can see people and they move on. We yeah. have our job exceptionally well. It means that we might not see people for very long. Absolutely. But that's the decision. might be an extremely a huge amount of time to spend with Absolutely. The but you know what? It, it's worth it because for those, those one to six sessions, of, of treating whatever it is and you remembering, you learning to remember what it is that you need to remember to help heal yourself and come back into resonance with yourself and trust yourself. That's really what it's all worth. Totally. I developed a 13 week course last year called the Realigned Leader. And one of the people who went through it is an existing ongoing coaching client because she's a businesswoman and we do a lot of work together. And she said to me recently, she said, she said, you know what? Oh, brilliant. I love that. Sal, if you're watching this or listening to this, Sal, I'm talking about you. Uh -huh. And she said, after the course and after, you know, and everything and really waking up to all of that, she said, I would be everywhere and I'd constantly have your voice in my head. And I said, that's good. And she said, and now I have my voice in my head. Oh. And I went. That's better. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That is I'll, take, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, because it does start off with somebody else maybe prompting you, but then when you learn to trust yourself, oh, mm. above and beyond, that really yeah. is what it's all about. Oh, Rosalind, absolute 
pleasure to have you on. The Thank show. you. Thank you, you so much. Really powerful insights. These stories that we're sharing, you know, listeners, I'm sure you've got your own. Please do come and share them with us. Put them in the comments. Get in touch, email us, let us know your unique stories because the more we share like this, the more we normalize everything that we have inside us. And it isn't just remembering these um, beautiful connections within us, it connects us even deeper to each other. And I think that's what we're all looking for now, isn't it? That connection. Yeah, and thank you for letting me do that you know because i um you know i do feel a bit like you know i'm coming out i, I you know I, I i haven't always had these conversations I've, I've touched on them but it's really it feels really good to be able to be in a safe and supportive place where i can have these conversations so thank you oh gosh you know and you're not the first person to say that so oh. I, I, the the gratitude is here from me to you for you coming on and sharing because it really is like we are, whoever we are, whether we are the scientist who is struggling to really truly be themselves and break away from the rigors and boundaries of what they're allowed to research, but what they really know they, they're being pulled towards to research and they want to break free and feel safe and come out and just be, or whether it, it's, yeah you and I who are having these weird experiences that we now suddenly feel, you know, we're not perhaps going to be slaughtered and slandered as much as, as, as time's gone by where, you know, we were probably being considered as witches and. Oh, totally. I think, I think they'd be getting the, there. yeah, they'd be getting the torches out, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but how many people around the world are having these type of experiences and. Well, more and more, yeah. and, and I suppose it's like everything. Once you start to put that energy out and resonate at that level, I, I find myself having these conversations daily almost. Yeah. I mean, people I meet on networking groups, you know, LinkedIn the, and, and you go off for a one-to-one -one and it's all very, you know, sensible and everything and within half an hour, we've kind of slightly segued into, and in fact, my follow-up calls to my, the realigned leader course is the realigned life because the people who went through it, who are all CEOs or, you know, really super sensible business people, they were like, where do we go next with you, Roz? And I immediately said, well, why don't you go where I'm going, which is more soul alignment really, you know, manifestation, really opening up to all of that, because that's me, that's the journey I'm on and have been on for quite some time. Would you feel safe with me taking you on that journey? And they've all said, yes, now that wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Maybe I wouldn't have even had the conversation, but. Mm. How beautiful, how beautiful that we are now taking people with us on our journey and that we don't feel alone. And yeah. we do feel like ourselves, we are, we are creating our own community that is of acceptance and it's our soul tribe in a way, isn't it? And I'm getting a bit emotional now. <laughs> it feel it it is, it? I can feel it here and it's, it's such a powerfully unique personal connection with the people that we work with that why wouldn't we want to do that with them? And, uh, Rosalind, how can people get in touch with you? Tell us. Uh, the best way would be www.rosalindpalmer.com. 
if you Google Rosalind Palmer, there aren't very many of us. Um, I come up a lot. I'm on LinkedIn, Rosalind Palmer, Facebook, um, or you can email me at hello at rosalindpalmer.com. And uh, I've got lots of freebies on my website. I'll always jump on a call to talk about the actual, you know, packages and the work I do. And um, yeah, lots of ways to get hold of me. And I'd love to talk to people and help people. Oh, just fantastic. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. From the bottom of my heart. I know you will have resonated <laughs> with so many listeners. And please do let us know your comments, everybody, um, on, on what you feel, think. You know, have you had your own experiences like Rosalind? Come and share them with us, please do. Uh, the details will be below for anyone who wants to get in touch. And thank you once again. We will see Welcome. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening on The Weird World of Knowing. I do hope you enjoyed your time with us. I'm Rachel Ewing, your host. And gosh, I'm having a ball putting all of this together for you. So I hope you are too. And if you are, please do like, subscribe and share with those who might actually benefit from these weird moments of knowing as they realise how many of their own they've been having all their life. Take care and we'll see you next week. <laughs>